Welcome back to the airport, everyone. I'm back on London soil now. Last time I was with you, we were in South Africa, just wrapping up the Royal Tour. Uh, slightly more familiar surroundings at the ABC News Bureau here in London uh, with our second episode. And thank you so much for the incredible replies and responses that we had from everyone. Uh, it was great to see that you were all as excited to see uh, the show come back uh, as I was. Uh, and we start off with quite a busy news agenda. A lot to go through this week. Um, I'm going to take you through some of the latest goings on within the royal family. Obviously, as we uh, finished up the tour in South Africa, we were given the news by the palace that uh, the Duchess of Sussex had filed a legal claim against the Mail on Sunday for misuse of private information. And that came alongside a statement from Prince Harry lambasting uh, certain sections of the tabloid press uh, for what he feels is a sort of never-ending, relentless agenda to destroy his and Meghan's names. And I'll be going through that with our foreign correspondent, Maggie Rooley, who'll be hopping into the studio shortly. And later in the show, I'll be joined by Emma Jones, a journalist here in London from Byline Investigates, which is an investigative website that has covered the phone hacking trials and other legal stories to do with the British tabloids here in the UK. They were the ones that actually broke the news of Prince Harry taking on The Sun and The Mirror, two very big British tabloids here in the UK, uh, taking them to trial over allegations of phone hacking in the early 2000s. It's a fascinating story and there'll be a lot to go through with that. But before we get heavy... Uh, we've got a tour announcement straight off the back of the last one. Uh, Prince Charles and Duchess Camilla have announced that they'll be visiting New Zealand, Tuvalu and the Solomon Islands on November the 17th. Uh, it'll be an official visit, their third joint visit to the country that will highlight the special relationship between the UK and uh, the various Commonwealth countries that make up this wonderful 53-country Commonwealth realm. The couple will arrive in Auckland uh, on Sunday, November the 17th, and Prince Charles will use his uh, schedule of engagements to focus on engagements covering young youth organisations working in the areas across the country, including environmental issues with a particular emphasis on tackling plastic waste. So in a way, picking up the baton from Prince Harry, his son, who very much championed conservation issues and environmental welfare whilst travelling across four countries in Africa. And the trip will see Duchess Camilla continue her focus on key themes, including women's issues, domestic violence and literacy. So really varied itinerary. We'll see a few appearances from some familiar faces from New Zealand royal trips from the past, including Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern. She'll be with the couple for uh, certain parts of the trip. But before we head over to New Zealand, the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge are off to Pakistan for a five-day trip on the request of the Foreign and Commonwealth Office here in the UK. They'll arrive on Monday the 14th of October for a trip showcasing the relationship between the UK and Pakistan. There's a very large Pakistani community here in the UK and also focusing on showcasing the nation as it stands today. They'll travel from the capital of Islamabad, going to the city of Lahore and even heading to the mountainous northern countryside and the border regions to the west. So a real varied itinerary. We'll see the couple focus 
focus on issues including children and young people, meeting leaders from in government, businesses, small businesses particularly, and also individuals from the charity sector, including inspiring conservationists and well-known cultural figures and sporting stars. Charlotte, Louis and George will stay at home. I would imagine that they'll be in the very capable hands of Nanny Maria Barallo with a little bit of help from Carol and Mike Middleton. Of course, they are travelling within school time. I think it overlaps with the school holiday, so the children will have a lot of free time. But it's work for them throughout the tour. We'll see them visit programmes that empower young people and organisations to ensure that uh, those young people have the best possible start in life. Um, There'll be a real focus on quality education and access to education for girls and young women. That's one of the biggest priorities that the UK has in Pakistan at the moment. Uh, Britain has long enjoyed a good relationship with the country. It has one of the largest British high commissions in the world uh, in Pakistan. And we'll see a lot of this trip really focusing on strengthening those bonds and William and Kate doing exactly what they do best, which is showcasing a country, really getting involved on the ground with young people. They really want to meet as many people as possible. I attended a briefing at Buckingham Palace uh, where we ran through the full itinerary. Now, for security reasons, the palace aren't announcing that full schedule this time around as they have in the past. There are certain parts of this trip that will be quite uh, high risk when it comes to security. I think that the palace are very mindful of that. For that reason, we won't be seeing the couple on walkabouts that we're used to seeing on royal tours, but they will be meeting as many local people as they can on this trip. Um, William and Kate really want to find out about how communities in Pakistan are responding to the effects of climate change. Uh, Last year, the country experienced catastrophic floods that took the lives of over 800 people and raised the risk levels for a country that was already dealing with a lot of issues. So this will be a chance for them to really understand the complex issues that the country faces and also take a look at the security landscape hence the embargoed engagements. Uh, It's a very busy fall for all of the younger royal members of the family, in fact all members of the royal family. As soon as William and Kate are back from this trip, Kate will dive in deep to her focus on early years development uh, for young children. And this will be, this is something that she's been working on for almost a couple of years now. And I'm told by Palace Aids that this is going to be her main focus between now and the beginning of next year. We're going to see a lot of engagements uh, focusing on this. It's a chance for her to shine. I think we've seen a much more confident Kate at engagements recently, much more media friendly and aware. And I think we've just seen her almost enter a new chapter in her life as a future queen and a member of the royal family. This week saw the Fab Four return in all their glory. William, Kate, Harry and Meghan joined forces to voice a campaign video for Public Health England and the National Health Service to raise awareness of a new online service to help people who are struggling. Every Mind Matters launches here in the UK. It's a website where people can go and get advice on dealing with their mental health and also just to make their life a little bit easier. We all have a lot on our plate these days 
ways and I think that that's a real focus of the video that this is something that we shouldn't be ashamed of talking about or wanting to deal with. Uh, we heard all four of them voice a public service announcement uh, for the NHS. Quite powerful words. I thought it was very interesting to hear the placement of some of those words, particularly between William and Harry when it comes to talking about brotherhood. We feel stressed, low, anxious, or have trouble sleeping. Me, you, your brother, your mother, your friend, colleague, or your neighbour. Waiting. Wondering. Hoping. Hurting. We think there's nothing to be done. Nothing we can do about it. But that is so wrong. There are things we can do. From today, there's a new way to help turn things around. Every Mind Matters will show you simple ways to look after your mental health. It'll get you started with a free online plan designed to help you deal with stress, boost your mood, improve your sleep, and feel more in control. And that PSA went out nationally all over the UK uh, on the Monday uh, to every household. I think every television network was in on this, so it aired at exactly the same time. I'm here with Maggie, foreign correspondent, uh, hey, back Omer. in the UK. <laughs> I know both of us back in the UK. <laughs> uh, World Mental Health Day, yeah. which uh, is a very big day, I think, for the royals, particularly the younger royals, because they have been so active in this conversation about removing the stigma from mental health. We just heard uh, the PSA for Every Mind Matters. Today, you covered uh, Prince Harry uh, collaborating with Ed Sheeran uh, on I World Mental it. Health Day <laughs> for a really funny, funny video. It was. You know, it was kind of a break. Obviously, mental health can be such a serious topic. And especially this year, with the focus being on suicide prevention, it can get dark. It can get heavy. So it was kind of lightning to see Harry and Ed Sheeran, obviously two arguably of the most famous redheads in the world, uh, <laughs> gear up. They made a hilarious video and they kind of tackled it being, you know, being lighthearted, saying this is a thing. This is real. It's a problem. Problem. Let's just watch out for each other. Uh, in the video, if you guys have a chance to, you should check it out. It's on uh, their royal Instagram account. And they show up, and Ed Sheeran kind of knocks on Harry's door. And I love this. Harry's like, Of course, come on in, <laughs> bring the cameras. And they sit down, and uh, Ed thinks that they're making a song, uh, standing up for ginger rights. And then, you know, Harry has to correct him, and you see Ed Sheeran kind of like deleting Ginger's Unite on his computer screen. Uh, I loved it for two reasons. One, you know, it really is raising awareness. I just launched. I think within three hours, it had like a million and a half views on their Instagram mm. account, and it just keeps climbing. It's like every 10 minutes when I check, another 100,000 views. So that's amazing for raising awareness. Uh, but it also shows this sort of lighter side of Prince Harry. Uh, we don't always get 
to see him kind of joking around with friends and, and posting stuff to Instagram. So it was a little bit of insight as well into their lives. I think some people got very excited when they saw the clip, hoping that it was a look inside Frogmore I know, Cottage. me too. <laughs> I was excited. My dreams were dashed. Spoiler alert, it's not their house. It took place at Ivy Cottage. Uh, so Harry uses uh, sometimes goes into the offices at Kensington mm. Palace before he officially moved over to Buckingham Palace's uh, offices were still at KP. And Princess Eugenie lives there with Jack Brooksbank in Ivy Cottage, which is right by his old mm-hmm. place, Nottingham Cottage. So they used that to film. And as we know, Eugenie and Beatrice know Ed Sheeran as well. So it would have been a ni- nice little get together. Yeah, I'm kind of jealous. Why weren't we invited? <laughs> <laughs> Next time. Next time. Hit us up, bro. <laughs> uh, and we saw Harry continue the theme on Well Mental Health Day uh, on a day out in Nottingham uh, for engagements focused on mental health and well-being amongst young children. Um, He visited the St Anne's community uh, to reunite with a couple of initiatives that he worked on there before that both aim to improve the mental health and opportunities for young people. He started the day at a local school, the Nottingham Academy, to talk about emotional well-being and also find out more about the Epic Partners Nurture Sessions, which is basically a safe place for students to talk about mental health and emotional well-being. Harry, on great form, he spoke about perhaps abolishing exams one day. He sat down with the students and spoke about the pressures that they face. (laughs) And he said, you know, I don't think exams will be around for much longer. (laughs) Wow, you heard it here first. I could get behind that initiative. Me too. If I was a high school student again. Uh, What I love about this, though, is one, you know, we saw, obviously this has been such an important topic for Prince Harry for a long time now. And so to see him tackle it almost from every angle, right? He's on the ground with students in Nottingham. He's he's doing a PSA with traditional media going out broadcast on every broadcast network practically in the UK. And then he's also tackling it on Instagram where he's getting millions of views. I mean, he's really hitting it from all over with a lot of with celebrities, I mean, with a lot of different people. Uh, so it just shows that this continues to be such a passion uh, for Harry and for the whole royal family, all the young royals like we saw with that PSA. Exactly. Well, we, not so long ago, we saw the four of them come together to launch uh, an in- initiative called Shouts, which is a text service, a crisis text service here in the UK, where people can uh, text in uh, basically any problems that they're having and speak to a qualified counsellor. It's a free service in the UK. I think really important, especially in light of the fact that this year's World Mental Health Day is focusing on suicide Mm -hmm. prevention. I think there's the number that I read today that was quite alarming. There are 800,000 suicides registered a year globally, which is a number that I think that a lot of mental health organizations feel that can be reduced dramatically. And so something that all four of them are focusing on, particularly when it comes to young people, yeah, you mentioned that the numbers I, I know are staggering for young people as well. The, the CDC was saying that uh, suicide is the 10th the leading cause of, of death in the U.S. And among young people, it's the second leading cause of death. It's wow. a huge issue with college students, university. Uh, so, you know, again, we always see the Royals uh, launching these initiatives for young people as well. And this is one where it kind of matches. You know, it's not only mental health and illness for everyone, but young people are just affected so disproportionately that it's really great to see uh, both of those passions converging. Mm. It's interesting. We were talking about the Ed and Harry collaboration. That happened on the Sussex Royal Instagram mm-hmm. account. 
there was no press release sent out to the media. Oh. The entire message carried across the world in seconds with no support needed when it came to the British press. And I think that was quite interesting in light of what we went through at the end of the That's tour. That's a really good point, yeah. Our, when you listen to our last episode, we were minutes away <laughs> from the bombshell that landed in That's the middle. That's literal minutes. That's not a figure of speech. We put the mics down, yeah. went out yeah. for a bite to eat, and uh, within... The dinner yeah. was interrupted. We'll just say that. <laughs> Listen, an Omid furiously looks at his phone and is like, guys, we may have to wrap this dinner up early. <laughs> exactly. Through uh, a new website created specifically for this announcement, sussexofficial.uk, uh, the couple, Harry and Meghan, announced that they were taking on the Mail on Sunday and Associated Newspapers, which is the publisher that owns uh, the Mail, the Mail Online, and uh, other titles within that group uh, for the misuse of private information, infringement of copyrights, and breach of Tata Protection Act. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is following a story that they ran earlier this year, printing a letter, a private letter that Meghan had sent to her father, Thomas Markle, shortly after her wedding to Prince Harry. It was a letter that was never supposed to see the light of day, but uh, the paper somehow managed to convince Thomas, who, as we know, is a friend of many of the tabloids in the UK, to print that. And Harry released alongside it a statement lambasting certain sections of the British tabloid press um, for campaigns against, he says, individuals with no thought to their consequences. And he called uh, what is going on at the moment, the attacks against his, him and his wife, a ruthless campaign that has escalated over the past year throughout Meghan's pregnancy and while raising their newborn son. And he said that there's a human cost to this. He spoke about how difficult it's been for them to put on a brave face. And I think it was something that really took us by surprise on this trip. I think a a lot of people, myself included, knew that there was some uh, talk about legal claim being filed against Mail on Sunday. I think as soon as that piece ran, uh, Megan had hired a law firm to actually look into where they stood legally. But this is not just about that one case. This is Harry hitting back at the entire mass market British tabloid press. I remember when we were sitting at that dinner and you kind of flagged it for me and you're like, you have to read this. And you you know, sometimes you see that, you're not knowing what to expect. And I start reading it and my mouth kind of hang agape. It was like every mm. sentence just floored you more and more. And then you get about three quarters of the way and he you know, talks about his mom. And that's where for me, it just it gutted me. I mean, that's why I said, this is a landmark statement this is something that everyone's going to be talking about uh, comparing you know how the media treated his mom the mistakes that he saw that were happening how he doesn't want that to happen to his wife i mean just mm. the emotion that was in this letter and then knowing that we were you know everyone was going to uh, look in his eyes the next day yeah after we still had a day this, of engagement yeah, we still had one more day of engagements it was it was a heavy last night on that tour it was and i think definitely for uh, members of the tabloid press who were on the trip Mm -hmm. that may not have been involved in any of the wrongdoings highlighted in this statement but belong to organizations that are being Mm -hmm. called out by Harry he spoke about the double standards uh, that were taking place just on the tour itself in his words from the same publications uh, exposing the double standard of a specific press pack that has vilified Mm -hmm. Meghan almost daily for the past nine months He says they've been able to create lie after lie at her expense simply because she was not visible while on maternity leave. Really strong words. He's drawing the line. I think this was him probably feeling like he could attack the enemy first, get a one up. 
Um, it's been building up for a while. I, I thought what really stood out to me in the statement, and I didn't notice it's the first time because I was just whipped up in such a <laughs> frenzy. He says, we thank you, the public, for your continued support. It's hugely appreciated. Although it may not seem like it, we really need it. Mm, it's almost vulnerable. Yes, vulnerable. And I think gives you an idea of what they know the next couple of years will be like. Yeah, I'm curious what those years will be like. I mean, right in the aftermath, it was so striking because the timing of this was interesting, right? We all had this tour, as we've discussed. Uh, we spoke with a lot of other media on that tour, and no one really saw it coming. It wasn't like on the tour itself, this was building up to this, mm. you know, big clash. I think people in general thought the tour was going pretty well. Yeah, we were all getting along, and so to have this land in the in, right at the end was surprising for a lot of people. And then it sort of sets the stage for, well, what now? Right. How to specifically some of the tabloids that he called out, how do they choose to go forward with their coverage? Is it business as usual? Yeah. Uh, do they feel threatened? Do they feel like they're going to double down because they are threatened or will they change their ways? I mean, it's going to be a really interesting next couple of months and probably years, like you said. Well, I think what was interesting at the time of this announcement, Harry had also filed two other claims of his own mm -hmm. against the Sun and the Mirror for alleged phone tampering and uh, access to his voicemails in the early 2000s. Uh, a lot of people did question the timing of this. And I think there were suggestions that he wanted to be in a position where he could stand by those same journalists that he was attacking and sort of look them in the eye. Uh, I think a sort of dramatic narrative was built. Actually, I, you know, I spoke to sources afterwards and it simply came down to logistics the division at the High Court here in the UK that handles media cases was moving to another division on October the 1st, one that is known, it's called the Queen's Bench Division. It's one that's known to be slightly more favourable towards publishers and the media. And so under guidance from their lawyers, they were told to get it in now so they could beat that deadline and remain at the division, the chancery division that this case will now be handled by moving forward. So smart thinking on their behalf, clearly preparing for a difficult, as you say, two years ahead. Yeah, when you hear that, you realize how much they're really sort of sticking their feet in and they're going to fight this. They're determined. Yeah. After the break, I'm going to be talking with Emma Jones from the website Byline Investigates, which broke the news of Harry's legal claims against the Mirror and the Sun. I have a lot to ask. Well, as Maggie and I were saying, it had been quite the week following the Royal Tour when it came to legal claims filed by both the Duke and the Duchess of Sussex. I'm here with Emma Jones from the Byline Investigates team, which is a website that exposes, I guess, illegal wrongdoings within the British press, particularly the mass market tabloid press. Um, your website was the one that broke the news that Harry was taking on the Mirror and the Sun for alleged phone hacking. And... There's a lot to unpack here, so... Yeah, I mean, there is. Um, I mean, phone hacking went back to 2006 when um, a man called Glenn Mulcair was arrested in jail for phone hacking. Um, between 2009 to about 2011, it progressed into a crime story. And we realised that this was um, an organised crime story because the people who work at Byline Investigates are, by and large, investigative reporters who've actually come from um, the tabloid world and the wider uh, newspaper world and have sort of taken a different path and chosen actually to investigate um, their former paymasters and expose 
the behavior and the criminal activity within those organizations because we realized as this story progressed that it went a lot deeper than just phone hacking this was about mining personal information um, we've we talk regularly to people who've come forward who are PIs um, and specialists in in blagging medical information for example and uh, the, the more we investigated the more we realized that this was a story that you know we, we had to concentrate on and um the harry thing came as a result of that mm. and and obviously the news that harry was caught up in the uh, phone hacking or voicemail hacking scandal isn't particularly new but what is happening now is that Harry's actually filing legal action for the first time. Yeah, I mean, it was it was sort of like largely known, but um, nobody had really been able to act on it. But the fact of the matter is that those people who had been doing the phone hacking, who had been mining that information, that they're all still in the same positions or have been um, paid off or have been promoted to become the CEOs of th- these companies. Um to name one executive and I I think that what's happened with Harry obviously the exposure on him and Meghan has meant that he's found himself back in that position again and I think it's a a situation where he's gone right well it's either fight them or lie down and take more of this this that I experienced if you think about when his phone was hacked it's right from the age of when he was a boy Mm. to um, you know when he became a man and it implicates his mum's phone as well it implicates all that sort of um, personal family information so what Byline Investigates have done is we've managed to go through all the stories and all that information around that time and identify six key stories which concentrate on the sort of information that can only have come from uh, illegal activity. Can you share an example of a couple of them? Yeah, one one story revealed details of an hour-long midnight phone call. <laughs> Another um, between him and a girlfriend. Another was about phone texts, secret messages. So it's it's been interesting to see, to sort of spotlight in on those stories. Um, and and kind of understand a little bit more about where they came from. There was another story about Harry's then-girlfriend, Chelsea Davy, who was rushed to hospital for surgery. At the time, I think he couldn't understand how this story had come about. But we know that there was a team of investigators who specifically targeted medical information. And um, we know that that is most likely where that story came from. Mm. We haven't heard much from... Uh, News Corp or News International as they would have been then or um, the Mirror Group who are the publishers of the Mirror in terms of their response Um, but as as we say a lot of this information has already been out there this is now Harry acting on it why do you think he feels so emboldened to do it now? I think it's um, for a number of reasons I think uh, you know he's it's that point in his life where he's he's got a baby he's got a, a wife who he loves who is herself a very strong brave woman and this is perhaps an opportunity for him to do things his way also if you look at the team around him now he's 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 got his own team of people mm. um he's got Sarah Latham who's former advisor to Hillary Clinton um so he's he's I think if you look at the way they communicate on Instagram um the Sussexes for example you can see that it's it's him wanting to talk directly for the first time and perhaps um, in the past, he hasn't been able to do that. I mean, I think the royal philosophy's always been uh, never complain, never explain. Yeah. And maybe he just 
feel stifled by that. His mother certainly didn't take any notice of that. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Now, a lot of this was heard during the Leveson inquiry that took uh, was a series of public hearings held throughout 2011 and 2012. It wasn't covered in great detail in the mainstream US media. Are you able to sort of break down what Leveson actually meant? Yes. Yeah, so after um, phone hacking was exposed in the newspapers, there was a very long and um, interesting, in fact, fascinating trial, not uh, um, inquiry, I should say, um, where Lord Justice Leveson went through all this information and talk to the key players in the phone hacking um, saga, including Piers Morgan, who your American audience will, of course, have heard of, uh, Rebecca Brooks, who was then an editor and has now been um, reinstated as the CEO of newsgroup newspapers. Basically, Lord Justice Leveson went through all this information and um, grilled all these people, all the key players, journalists, everyone. And from that information, he went away and wrote the Leveson report, which came back with um, recommendations that the, the newspaper industry in this country should be regulated by somebody other than themselves. Because at the moment, basically, the newspaper industry regulates itself. It marks its own homework. However, um, politics got in the way. And rather than the second part of that inquiry going ahead, which was supposed to, and that was supposed to uh, look at the links between the police and the newspaper industry because the first part of the inquiry had pointed to serious wrongdoing there and that there's an um all the victims all the hacking victims who were again interviewed in this in the Leveson inquiry who were who went through this whole process were waiting for this second part of the inquiry in order to get justice mm. this was shelved by the conservative government um and people believe that that was a politically motivated act because what happens in the UK is or has happened historically is newspapers and politicians have worked hand in hand in order to get the sort of press they want Mm. and uh, promote the sort of people they want so it's very very difficult you mentioned Piers Morgan Uh, there's been a lot of talk about potentially Piers being called back to the stand if this does go to court we haven't heard back from the mirror group uh, in terms of their response to this legal claim but as reports suggest, your reports suggest that uh, we could see uh, this all go to trial in 2021. Is there a possibility that we'll see Piers Morgan and Prince Harry both in court? I think there is a possibility. I know from people I've spoken to that Harry is prepared to go to, to court. He's prepared to go to stand on the stand and, mm. and defend himself and defend his honour, I suppose. Um, Piers Morgan won't want that to happen. I mean, he's a good talker, but there's something that gets in the way of all of this and it's the facts and they I can tell you having looked at the facts that, that this is a very dangerous time for him. And so how does that make the next couple of years look for Harry then? Is he obviously taking on quite a big situation here. It's something that will cause a major have a negative impact on his life. I think a lot of people have kind of taken a gasp and said you know wow that's really brave but oh my god you know they're going to go for him now because we have got this sort of tradition in this country of if you attack the newspapers you'll get crucified so you know it's a bold bold move but it's been interesting to see um, since then you know he's this morning on Instagram he's got uh, you know he's talking with Ed Sheeran um, about mental health day he's he's carrying on with his causes it's the new more approachable harry it's harry you know being himself it's he doesn't look phased at the moment Mm. but you know how much worse can it get though at the moment they are they're hounding his wife 
to death. Um, you know, he's he's compared his situation with what happened to his mother. He said, I, you know, in a very personal statement, he said, you know, I don't want, I've watched this happen before. I don't want that to happen to yeah. my wife. So I, I think, what, you know, in a way, he's sort of thinking, well, what have I got to lose? Exactly. Well, the situation probably couldn't get any worse in terms of negative coverage on him and his wife. And I know from speaking with sources that he really wants to create a better future for Archie and all the young members of the royal family because he's doing this not just for his son, but also for Louis, Charlotte and George. You know, they're not the powerful force that they were. So maybe he's saying, well, you say you're the big mighty beast and a lot of people are scared of you. But, you know, what's behind it? It's the same people it was working in these in these newspapers 20 years ago, 30 years ago, um, how much fight have they got left in them? Maybe maybe the young royals got a bit more about him. Also, look at the way that um, publishing's changed. You know, you've, you've, got, you've got websites like Byline Investigates. You've got people, you know, people who, and you've got an appetite, I think, because social media has um, held a mirror to up to um, illegal activities and to lots of stories that we wouldn't previously have had access to, lots of information that we wouldn't have previously had access to. People aren't so easily fooled and they don't just go to newspapers to find their information anymore. Well it'll be very interesting to see how this plays out over the weeks, months and potentially years ahead. I know the Sussexes are prepared for a fight. It will be a difficult time for them. Thanks so much for joining me, Thank you Emma. very much. And thank you guys for making last week's episode such a breeze. Had some really great comments from you all. If you do want to write into the show, just tweet me at SCOBY using the hashtag TheAirPod. Um, I am on Twitter an unhealthy amount of the time. But um, it'd be great to hear if you've got any burning questions, things that you want to talk about on future episodes. Do let me know. Until then, on Fridays, our new weekly time, uh, see you then. <laughs>